the dreaded dot 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 FaceTime date. Oh my god. My biggest fear. I have stress dreams about this. guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. And before I get started, I just want to give a huge shout out to the real MVP, aka this really large black iced coffee that I have in my hand right now that I just got from Dunkin' Donuts. I am not sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. Wish I was. I'm not. But I made a pilgrimage to my local Dunkin' in the car with my mask on, hand sanitizer ready, the whole nine yards, and got my hands on a black iced coffee that I just so needed today. It was one of those mornings where I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to make it (laughs) through this day. And this coffee cured me. And like I said, not sponsored, but this is just a huge component of this episode today because your favorite hopeless romantic, aka me, is uh, struggling over here with the concept of what is dating, what is romance going to look like after COVID or even as we're still going through it, but it's kind of subsided hopefully in the really warm summer months as many people are saying. Anyway, so we're going to talk about that today and some other things like email anxiety, which is a real thing that I experience and others do as well. And basically just wrapped into a nice bow, we're doing a Dear Katie episode. I asked you all to ask me questions and I'm going to keep them fully anonymous. We're going to really dive in. I'm going to share my thoughts on all the things, all the things that you guys are concerned about. I'm just going to sit here and give my two cents. I might not be right, but (laughs) this comes from the heart. So that's all that matters, right? Anyway, so we're going to dive into this episode. Um, Just wanted to first give some kudos to my coffee because that is what's getting me through this day. Not every day is easy. I've mentioned that and I just want to reiterate that some days require some extra coffee, some extra courage, and today is one of those days for me. So Anyway, I digress, and I'm sorry, I've been like kind of moving the microphone as I've been speaking, and I just realized that, so apologies for the audio. I feel like podcasts are such a delicate art of like mastering the audio, and I have failed in so many different ways. Two years in, figuring it out. So I want you guys to imagine this scenario, this little picture I'm going to paint for you guys. I want you to close your eyes and imagine it. So you get a text from your friends. It's a Friday night. Or I guess a Friday afternoon, maybe you're wrapping up work for the day. One of those sort of things. You get a text in your group chat. Your friends are saying, where should we go tonight? Like, should we go to this bar? Should we go to this pregame? Should we go to this person's party, etc.? You're making plans for the night. People are firing away. The texts are coming through. Some of your friends are at the gym, on the treadmill, texting about the night's plans. Some of you are sitting at work still. You're talking back and forth in the group chat about where to go tonight. Someone mentions the guy they're seeing. Their friends are going to this bar, so we should go there. You know, you're chatting through the plans. And so you get home from work. You're putting on your makeup. You're drinking coffee while you do it because you're exhausted. You're blasting just trashy early 2000s music that you somehow remember all the words to from like elementary school. You throw your keys, wallet into a purse, check yourself out in the mirror one last time, you hit the elevator buttons, you go down, say bye to your doorman, hop in a cab, grab a bottle of Tito's on the way, text your friends, do you guys have Chaser? Getting some messages simultaneously from the guy that you're seeing asking where you're going tonight, even though he likely won't show up and will end up meeting up late night a bit drunk and hungry for pizza, along with some other things. You guys probably already know what I'm going to say, but this scenario 
was such a norm was something that was so normal and fine to do and now it is a thing of the past at least for the time being of course things will eventually subside in terms of just the the pandemic that is affecting us as a human race right now but will it ever actually go back to normal completely it's hard to say there's so many elements of this story that are now kind of in jeopardy or in a weird kind of place just the of course the social element the sharing of a tito's bottle the going to a bar the hopping in a cab, meeting up with some guy that I've been on like two dates with and barely know where his hands have been that day, you know, let alone where his mouth has been. Everything is different right now. We're in this weird limbo period of not knowing whether it's safe to do the things that we've just gotten so used to doing. Like when will it be okay again for me to go to a random bar, get tequila shots, kiss a stranger, walk out like nothing happened? Like when will that be okay again? I don't know. Or like I'm imagining, I'm remembering actually New Year's Eve this year. So I talked about this before, but when the clock struck midnight and it was 12.01 on Jan 1st, 2020, like I was just like pressed up against people. Like it was a very packed affair. And who would have thought months later, this would be something that would be so taboo and crazy. Like, oh my God, you're that close to another person. Like that's really risky. Never would have thought that, especially in New York where there's just really no such thing as personal space at all on the sidewalks, on the subway, anywhere. But that's where we are right now. And I think even in the coming months, as this subsides, if it does, hopefully, I'm really rooting for it, of course. Like, I think it's going to be a very interesting adjustment to being social again and, you know, being thrown into the mix of the social scene wherever you are in college in a city in a suburb wherever you are I think socializing is going to be a big adjustment I asked on my Instagram story what you guys thought about it and if you had any kind of social anxieties or you think you might develop them as we're kind of re-entering society and 86% of you guys said yes you do you have significant anxieties surrounding the re-immersion, I guess we could say, into society. And I I think I kind of agree. I don't know. I feel, I just saw my friend Adam the other day um, from afar. He came over to drop off some, he's been really um, experimenting with desserts and healthifying desserts. And he was dropping off some pie, um, vegan, gluten-free pie. I'm like, how is that good? But it was really good. Props to him, honestly. Um, He came to drop off pie. And although we were six feet away, I felt so awkward around him. And this is one of my closest friends that I'm like with all the time normally. And I felt weird. I don't know why. Like, tell me why I could not, like, I was just like, I couldn't shake the feeling of like, this is awkward because we haven't spoken face to face. And two and a half months, almost three months. And I was so confused about it because three months is not that long. You know, if you think about it, there's certain friends of mine from college I haven't seen in probably like eight months to a year and I'll randomly see them, you know, after that long and it's fine. And I guess it just, I don't know, it's it's a weird time. We're going through a crisis. It's different than a normal situation. And I'm kind of frustrated by this whole thing. I mean, I'm, I'm very frustrated by this whole thing. I think a lot of us are. But the main reason why I am is I feel like, you know, after a year and like eight months in New York City on my own, I'd finally gotten the hang 
of socializing, you know, of being confident in a bar, of being confident with people that I don't know that I'm pitching ideas to freelance wise, you know, making new friends. Like I was making all these new friends with people. And then this happens and I'm like, am I going to forget how... (laughs) to socialize and be confident and speak, you know, and not stumble over my words when I'm trying to say something. Like, will I start from square one? Is that how this is going to go? And that's honestly a real thing that I worry about. That and also how it's going to affect dating. Will I forget how to be good on a first date? Like I had finally, I think, gotten the hang of it. And now... (laughs) We're back at square one, which I don't know. I think that's just me kind of thinking about worst case scenarios. But I just wanted to say that because if you're feeling like that, I just want you to know that you're not alone. And that is just kind of my goal here in general. So yeah, that's what I'm feeling. And I do want to today kind of talk through some other fears people have surrounding post-COVID dating and my hypotheses on what I think it's going to look like. In New York City especially, which is, of course, one of the hardest hit places and also just a place where I feel like it will, the spark will light again there, but it's going to be an interesting transition, as I've said. But yeah, so this is a Dear Katie episode, so I will be answering questions from you all. But before I dive into the actual questions from you guys, I did ask my friends in our group chat. I'm always asking them for their input because I have a lot of smart cookies as friends. So I said, guys, I'm doing a podcast on dating post-COVID. Do you have any thoughts slash hypotheses on what it's going to be like? And my one friend who will remain nameless said, never going to find a boyfriend again is what it's going to be like. And everyone in the group chat like did the little laughing um, reaction. Another one of my friends said, hookup culture is going to be even more prevalent because people are going to be trying to make up for lost time by having sex with everything that moves. (laughs) Or maybe that's just my hypothesis on myself (laughs) that I applied to the world. Um, Yeah, so that's like one extreme, I think, or I think even two extremes of people thinking I'm never going to find a boyfriend or, I mean, honestly, it kind of relates because this might be a simple way to look at things but I feel like this is just kind of my hypothesis and a friend of mine confirmed it via DM Uh, we were talking about it last night that I feel like there's going to be two different kinds of people after this one the ones that were you know promiscuous or are still promiscuous the types to hook up with a lot of random people all that stuff not judging because to be honest I've been that person and a lot of people assume this person to be a guy because guys in New York City it's kind of like a known thing a lot of guys in New York City not everyone but a lot tend to have a bunch of girls they're hooking up with that will love to just you know hit and run hook up with a different girl every night and to my friend in the group chat's point I think there's going to be a whole group of people that were like this still are like this that are kind of on a rampage so to speak after this and there's a chance that there might be more people in this group post-covid just because of you know breakups that happened during covid people that went into it being the relationship type or people in relationships and then having a brutal breakup you know i've seen a lot of breakups happening Maybe not everyone's breaking up, but a lot of people are, and it's becoming something I've noticed, just like a new couple is broken up every day because of spending so much time together, etc. Um, you know, that's going to happen, but I also think there's some people that are in this group. Of course, it's, you know, pre-existing. It's something that people were on a rampage even before this all happened. I think some of those people maybe will change their ways a little bit, but it's really going to depend. I think 
honestly, I mean, I'm going to get into this, but I think that COVID has caused some lasting changes in the dating world that might actually be good for us, that might actually be what we needed, okay? So, but just for the sake of the two different types of people, <laughs> little picture I was painting there, there's going to be the type of person that's super eager, I'd say, to get back into it and are going to, you know, forget what sex is like and want to hit everything that moves. There's going to be that type of person, but there's also going to be the type of person that is a bit more hesitant, understandably, to enter, re-enter the world, um, either like anxiety-wise or just not wanting to get sick, you know, and not wanting people with underlying conditions, people that are just nervous in general or haven't had it. And I have this weird feeling, and as I said, my friend and I were talking about this last night, that there's going to be a lot of broken hearts, you know, once we get back into the world of dating and people feeling comfortable again, there's going to be, you know, a lot of broken hearts because, you know, a lot of us are talking to guys and girls or whoever is our preference on dating apps right now. We haven't met these people. We're talking to these people to either pass the time or make ourselves feel better about what's going on, confidence booster, all the reasons to be on a dating app. And some of us are going to, after months of talking to this person, meet up with them in person and either one, they're just going to want us for sex or whatever, or two, they're just going to be nothing like we thought, slash just not live up to our quarantine, like during quarantine fantasies of what this person would be like. Or, you know, third option, they are everything and more, you know, and they're perfect for us and all those things. But it's really a gamble. And I think a lot of people are going to lose the gamble. Is that how you do it? Do you win or lose a gamble? And it won't be their fault, okay? It's hard to fully get to know someone over a dating app and fully understand not only how they act digitally, but how they'll be in person, you know? And you can even like be with someone for years and then finally realize there's certain things about them that you don't like. That's just perfectly in the cards. It's something that happens. So I don't know. I don't want to stress you guys out too much. I do want to get into the Dear Katie element of this episode. I promise everything I've been saying leading up has to do with the questions I'm about to answer or dive into. Just kind of wanted to set the stage there so you guys knew where I was going. But yeah, basically in a nutshell so far, there are a lot of unknowns, a lot of unknown variables. We really don't know what the next trend is going to be in the dating world. We really don't know what the next, like I can even see it now kind of forming in my mind, like the next New York Times opinion article on relationships. I love the New York Times opinion articles um, in general. I think they're great, but there's also just so many good ones about dating, which I'm going to talk about one in a later part of this episode, but I can already kind of see it like, you know, this new revival. It's like we're in a very interesting position right now where, you know, a la the flu pandemic of 1918 and the Roaring 20s and all that that I've talked about before, we're in a very interesting, you know, point in history where everything is about to change probably. And we have no idea, you know, how to predict these things aside from what we know from history, but there's really no way to predict it there's really no way. And so we kind of just have to, I guess, prepare ourselves for reality, um, no matter how harsh it is. And so that's kind of how I've been thinking and processing this. I've been kind of imagining it like, you know, maybe this is good for me. Maybe this is what I needed this time, 
not thinking so much about romance and all the things that I've gotten hung up on for so many years of my life. And maybe this is a good, you know, breather and a good break for us to kind of reevaluate our priorities. And yeah, like I said, there's going to be that person that goes out in the world and just like hits everything that moves. And that's fine if you're that person, if that's what you need to do. I mean, of course, be safe about it. If you are sick, don't, you know what I mean? I mean, of course, there's all those things. I'm not going to even go through them because I hopefully, hopefully people know that. Um, But once it gets to the point where things are okay again, I guess, I don't know when that's going to be, you know, if you are that person, that's okay. But I think maybe for my sake and my sanity, I should probably not be that person. I should probably take things slow. I should probably, you know, the people I'm talking to on dating apps, not get my expectations so high that there's no way that these people could ever live up because I tend to do that and I'm really good at picking out people's flaws, which is not fair. So anyway, guys, let's answer some questions. Okay, so the first one says, Dear Katie, even though things are starting to open up where I live in Minnesota, I have no desire to sit in a restaurant or bar and be around people. A lot of my friends are itching to get out and I'm not at all. This is a great question. Um, kind of taking a step back from the whole dating side of things, just being social in general, I think, like I said, very earlier, very earlier, very early in the episode, you know, socializing is going to be different after this. And I don't think it'll stay different for long, maybe not entirely. We'll always, of course, have this in the back of our mind and remember what we went through and all this. But I think at first it's going to be really tricky. And I think even when it is, quote, okay and safe, to be out with people or out in public or at a bar or restaurant, people are still going to get a little bit nervous. Like imagine you're sitting at a restaurant, you know, even after things have subsided, someone coughs, like a really sickening sounding cough. What's the first thing that's going to run through your head? Hmm? Like for me, it's going to be like, does this person have COVID? And even if I've already had it at that point, like I would still, I don't know. That's what we're going to think about from now on. No one can just like cough anymore. It's just like insane how it's really taken a a turn. I was watching the news the other day and who was it? Um, Anderson Cooper uh, was giving an interview or something. And, you know, as he was interviewing a guy, he coughed a couple of times and my dad and I like looked at each other and, you know, of course he, I mean, he might not have COVID and, you know, that's just my first thought for some reason. And I think, I mean, there's a lot of reason to think that, I guess. But after he was done with his interview, he said, I'm so sorry, guys, for coughing. I have asthma. It's allergy season. I do not have coronavirus. I get tested daily. He like made a statement about it. And I was like, wow, how much longer are we going to have to constantly be making statements about coughs? Like it's, it's a new normal, I guess. And I hate saying that. God, I keep saying it, but it's, I I told you in a previous episode that there was, this is not normal. There's nothing about this that is normal. So I hate when people say no new normal, although I keep saying it because it's just ingrained in my head. Anyway, I digress. But to answer this question, that's perfectly understandable that you would feel like that, that you would be nervous. There are some people that I think are eager, but maybe they're eager until they, get there and then they're going to feel some anxiety I feel like even if they are still overall eager and excited and comfortable there's going to be a little tinge of either anxiety their you know doctor or parents voice in their head saying be careful six feet whatever um I don't know I just think it's it's different for each person it's something where we don't have a lot of answers still even months into this and 
I just, I know that eventually, you know, I keep going back and forth with my opinion on this. I know eventually we are going to have to reemerge into society just for our own sanity as humans and needing human interaction to survive and to fight depression. I'm going to get into that in a little bit, but you know, the sense of the touch element of human to human, you know, the reason why we shake hands, the reason why we hug, the reason why we kiss, it's a fundamental human need, okay? And so we're going to eventually need to reemerge, but I think everyone needs to do this in their own way, in their own speed. And of course, there's laws that we have to take into account. But I think just, you know, aside from that, once we get past the laws slash things are officially open again for everyone, it's going to be your responsibility to figure out what works for you in terms of timing. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with you if you are hesitant to reemerge into society and go to public places again. That is just your, you're protecting yourself. It's your defense um, instinct you know, not wanting to go somewhere where there's a threat of some sort. But I think eventually we will have to just, I don't know, go out and it's going to be tough. But we do, I think, um, eventually need to do that and businesses will need to fully reopen. And it's just, I don't know, it's how every other major illness has been in the past. If you look into history, I've talked about this, but yeah. So to answer the question, you're totally normal. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people that feel this way and it's just going to take some easing back into things I think and you shouldn't rush yourself but also have you know kind of some understanding with other people like of course there's some people it's easy to judge these people I mean some people like the ones that are not wearing masks when they need to I will I personally do not understand that and I will never understand how people are rioting over wearing masks that's my personal viewpoint here um yeah so but in terms of judging your friends for wanting not saying this person is doing this but just a general statement if your friends are super eager to go out and are talking about it let them do it okay or let them talk about it at least because this could be something just even talking about go like the first place they're going to go out when they can let them talk about it in the group chat it's something that they clearly need to do and get off not get off their chest but just kind of fantasize about for a minute like my friends and I had a full conversation the other day about like our exact itinerary of what we're doing when we can go out again in New York City like what are we gonna drink where are we gonna eat dinner first like what are we gonna do and that was like it was fun to talk about it even if it's like months away from happening I don't know so yeah those are my two cents okay so next dear Katie dear Katie the constant question that my friends and I keep falling into is how the heck are we supposed to meet guys that want to be in relationships I suck at online dating and I'm much better in person. Any and all advice is appreciated. So I agree with you on that one. I, sorry, I keep like hitting my desk because I'm like putting my elbows on it. Anyway, um, I agree. I'm much better in person as well. Slash I'm much better at gearing or not gearing, gauging um, whether or not someone is, you know, my type or to my tempo, we get along. Like I'm not really amazing at text banter and like, dating app banter I'm even one of those people that I prefer like I'm kind of a psycho but like if it's a close friend of mine I'd prefer just to call them and like talk things over than like having to text I feel like texting can get exhausting and that's crazy to say because like my fingers like are they really tired I don't know um but I just feel like yeah I'm better in person too and it sucks to be in this time where that's really not an option or if it is it's like 
you're taking a risk there, you know, like it's some degree of a risk, even if you both have, you know what I mean? It's like not something someone can just be like, because I mean, okay, if you asked this question to me like months ago before this all happened, I would have been like, just get out there, go meet them, ask them to get coffee, go meet them at a bar, you know, like put yourself out there. And now I couldn't, I cannot give that advice, you know, like confidently because of everything going on. So it's a whole different ballpark now. And I mean, like, I would just say, you know, the guys you're talking to on dating apps, half of them would probably rather be in person too, okay? Some people maybe not, but a lot of them are probably feeling just as awkward, feeling just as annoyed that they have to be doing it this way. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like on dating apps right now, with very like slim, small you know, chances that you're going to actually meet up right now, I think a lot of the guys that are on there keeping up a conversation with you are the type that are looking for a relationship or maybe they're just bored I don't know but I think like you know most guys I feel like during normal times that would be striking up a conversation or not most just some okay some guys that strike up conversations in normal times are just looking for a hookup okay and they just want to test to see if you're normal or not I guess and that's just kind of the reality but right now you know, the ones that are looking to actually talk to you and maybe, you know, plan something for down the line. If they're still talking to you after a month or so, like, I don't know, that's a lot of buildup just to have sex with you and run, you know? I think that these people are actually maybe in it for the long haul and that's kind of a small silver lining in this. I don't know. I know you're saying here in the question that you don't like online dating, you're better in person. I agree with you, but I'm still on dating apps. I'm still putting myself out there because at the end of the day, it is something that when I'm really, you know, I've I've worked hard, I've exhausted Netflix, and I just want something to either boost my confidence or just, I don't know, just to entertain myself a bit in the, the thought or the idea that I could find love during this time, I'm on dating apps. And yeah, there's some pros and cons, which I actually drafted a pros and cons list in my notes here. Wait, let me find it. Um, I was just thinking about like pros and cons of dating apps right now, like during a pandemic. Okay, I found it. So here's my list of pros. (laughs) Pros of being on dating apps right now. Wow, I like love that this is a note on my computer. Like with all my professional notes, this is a note. Okay, number one, we are all going through the same thing for once. We can all relate. That's true. Number two, people respond faster, I've found. Also true. Number three, boredom fighter. I don't know why I phrased it like that, but it does fight boredom, I guess, a little bit or kind of gives you something to do. And number four, confidence booster. It is a confidence booster. I don't know. I like always love when sometimes I'm down on myself, of course. I think we all kind of are at some points. And when a really, really hot guy or a guy that I think is really hot swipes right on me or whatever or, you know, matches with me. I just, I'm like, wow, okay, he thinks I'm cute. (laughs) It's kind of nice. Okay, and then cons of being on dating apps right now. Number one, oversaturation, overexertion, too many conversations, none of them feel meaningful. I agree with that. I don't know why I'm saying that. Of course, I agree with myself that I wrote these. Okay, number two, when does the conversation shift to meeting up? Will it ever get to that point? that is a tough one because yeah I feel like you know how there's like I mean even before all this there was conversations on dating apps that just led nowhere and I feel like especially now a lot of these conversations are going to go nowhere and then maybe all of a sudden when we're like months down the line and things are maybe better 
they're going to slide on back in and say, hey, want to meet up? <laughs> I already uh, figured out that you're not crazy and stalked your social media. So let's meet up. Like, I don't know. Who knows? Who's to say? But that's a con. Second con. Oh, that was the second con. Third con. I'm good. I promise. The dreaded dot, dot, dot FaceTime date. Oh, my God. My biggest fear. I have stress dreams about this. I <laughs> like to the girl that asked this question's point, like I'm much better in person and I do not count FaceTime dates slash Zoom dating as in person. This is personal opinion. It could really work for you and you could love it, but there is just, I feel awkward. I even sometimes feel awkward. Like I told you I'm better on the phone with my friends. Like I'll call my friends and they'll call me and I have no problem picking up the phone and answering it and talking to them. But when like someone randomly calls me that isn't like a close friend of mine that I've like told all my deepest, darkest secrets to and they will never judge me ever, like calls me I stare at the phone and I'm like I'm not answering that (laughs) you know there's those people that like I I even like dated this guy back in like early college-ish time from my hometown that insisted on calling me and I would just see his name on my phone and I'm like nope I'm gonna pretend like I am not here right now like there is just something about like when someone calls you that you don't have any interest in talking to on the phone you want to text them so you can you know have thoughtful responses and have some time to digest what they're saying to you if it's flirty you can like come up with something good to say you know that's how I feel and on FaceTime dates I don't know I mm, there's just something in person when there's other people around it's not just me and that person but I'm sitting in a restaurant with other people around even if they have no idea who I am I don't know who they are like even just having the waiter there as like a buffer oh my god so much better than just like a FaceTime date like oh so different and when I say this guys I mean for like a first date or like you know early dates not if you already know the person slash have already dated the person I feel like you know maybe you can still have some anxiety surrounding it but it's a lot less than if it's a first date like hinge is trying to promote like dating from home like all these other apps are doing the same thing and I'm like I don't know if I want to do that (laughs) at all. Um, So yeah, those are my pros and cons of being on dating apps right now. Um, Just kind of wrapping up this story. You know, I agree with the sense of just being better in person. It sucks. It's hard to find people who want a relationship now. You know, it was earlier before this all happened, but especially now it's just tough because I don't know, but kind of on this, the flip side of things, I did have some people DM me saying that like just kind of stories of them going into COVID uh, lockdown with someone they were kind of loosely seeing, quarantining with them, and now are in a full-blown relationship, you know? So I think that it's just a very tricky, interesting time. And I, I was reading this article, like I said earlier, I think I mentioned it. There's this New York Times opinion piece um, by Naima Raza a filmmaker and writer called, quote, what single people are starting to realize. And kind of going off what we were just saying, um, she interviewed this psychotherapist, Esther Perel, that explained that crisis is what's called a relationship accelerator, meaning it kind of sends different types of relationships on the fast track to either success or failure, depending. So she said, for example, you know, unhappy marriages lurch to divorce young lovers rush into cohabitating cohabitating is that how you say it co co co-living just like living together (laughs) on a third date and single people realize quote i don't want to die alone it basically just pushes people to be super 
dramatic, which I think I can relate to and sounds about right. And Naima, the author of the article, said, quote, Before COVID, we all had plenty of time to get to the next chapter. In the days since, time is still passing, but there's no way to progress. Anything on the other end just feels further out of reach. And another kind of direction that this article goes in that really goes back to my previous point earlier in the episode about, you know, how I think maybe this strangeness that is surrounding socializing or the thought of socializing post-COVID could maybe be a good thing maybe you know don't don't kill me here but I think maybe some parts of this is for the better I think that a lot of us were getting maybe a little too comfortable whatever one second let me uh read the quote before I get into my personal thoughts here she said let's be honest there's something a little thrilling about a first kiss being taboo again maybe we needed that And I, this part really struck me. I feel like maybe it was just like a fleeting sentence in the mix of all the things she said. But for me, it really stood out because, you know, I feel like in my, the months leading up to, or even just the years leading up to this whole thing happening and when things were normal, you know, I didn't really think it was a big deal to kiss someone. And I just thought it was kind of something you always did on a first date or after a first date, like me personally of course everyone has their own morals and ideas of what is right but for me I thought it was perfectly fine to go on a good date with someone and kiss them just you know test out the merchandise before going on a second date like what if there's no chemistry when we kiss is it even worth it you know and of course things can develop but I'm also just super impatient as a person we all know this about me and so I just never thought that it was something that was you know, taboo or weird. And I just, I always remember in the back of my mind while this was all happening and I was just kind of thinking kissing was no big deal, you know, of course, treating it like it, you know, it was a romantic gesture that I really did love. And I, I do, of course, enjoy kissing and I enjoy kissing people that I am, you know, into and all that. I'm just going to kind of let that go without saying sort of. But I remember always just kind of you know, watching these movies, reading books from a different time when courtship was such a different thing where a guy and a girl could be talking, you know, could be going on dates and not kiss for months, okay, and not have sex for years. And that was just how it was. Guys put up with that slash just like, I mean, I always think of it, of course, from that perspective because I am me. And I always just feel like guys are so eager to have sex with you, just like how it's been for me. And I just remember, I mean, there was a time, or I don't remember because I wasn't there, but there was a time in history when guys just, they, I mean, maybe they thought it, but they were more respectful. I mean, that being said, there are so many respectful guys in the world still. Not to say the guys that want to have sex with you on the first date aren't respectful. Maybe they're just a little more eager. But I think now it's kind of you know, COVID is making us all take a step back and really think about it before we do it slash giving us that, that pause that we need, maybe too long of a pause for some of us, but it's maybe making things kind of go back to the way they were in a time that none of us really know because we're so used to the hookup culture. And, you know, of course, whenever I make any of these bold claims, there's always people that this doesn't apply to. And, you know, there's always people that say, Katie, I found my dream guy and he didn't, you know, push me to have sex with him. And I'm like, oh my God, congrats. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. I'm not saying this sarcastically. Um, I mean that 
But, you know, for me, I've experienced some other stuff. So you guys know I give a lot of advice on the podcast, just from personal experiences, what I truly think will help some people, but I'm not an expert. I'm not a licensed professional therapist. I'm not a counselor. I'm just your girl, Katie. And so if you are looking for some extra guidance during this time, some extra help in finding some happiness, if you are feeling very stuck and just need someone to talk to one-on-one, BetterHelp is here for you. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. BetterHelp assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist that can help you with the problems that you're going through. You will get timely and thoughtful responses online. Plus, you can schedule weekly video calls or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. It's actually more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who need it. All you have to do to get started right now is go to BetterHelp, that's better, H-E-L-P, dot com slash thick thin and my listeners get 10% off of their first month with that special code so thick thin and take some steps in finding happiness and just talking to someone which honestly makes all the difference so check it out and thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and you know that's fine to each their own and of course it grows us as humans but yeah I mean that's just the reality of how things are going to go there's going to be some more pauses which I think is great hopefully people take them seriously hopefully I mean I'm just going back to my group chat chat about whether or not people are going to be just like you know jumping everything that moves or you know going without a boyfriend for a very long time and being celibate and all that it's going to be interesting to see which direction we go in but I don't know I think it's all going to also depend on the vaccine and if people are advising it. I mean, I remember reading this thing recently that New York State had put out a notice saying, you know, your safest sex partner is yourself. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding? New York State is encouraging masturbation. I love it. But like, oh my god, New York State is encouraging masturbation. That This must be serious if they're doing that, you know? Um, anyway, so I read another article. Let's just kind of transition, okay? A Times article by... Eliana Doctorman, if you guys want to look it up. And she interviewed a sociologist by the name of Docker, Docker Keltner. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> who um, is a University of California Berkeley sociologist who studies the impact of touch. I think I mentioned this earlier. Maybe I didn't. But of course, you know, there's all the senses touch being a hugely fundamental one to human development, to evolution to happiness, a lot of things. And so this, you know, this lady who wrote this article, Eliana, literally interviewed a hugging expert, (laughs) okay? Like, I'm going to get into this, but like a hugging, touching expert. Like, come on, that's crazy. So touch, this is, um, Keltner is quoted saying, the sociologist is saying, touch is as important a social condition as anything. It reduces stress. It makes people trust one another. It allows for cooperation. When you look at people in a solitary confinement suffering from touch deprivation, you see that people lose a sense that someone's got their back, that they're part of a community and connected to others. So people in solitary confinement are suffering because of lack of touch. She then goes on to say, that if you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, for millions of years, we had tactile contact, like hugs. 
every relationship has been built and held together by complicated nonverbal language, beginning with parent and child. It's part of our social fabric. I wonder what happens when we as a society lose those modes of communication for a time. And that made me think, you know, when you are, like I remember at my corporate job, I always go back to this, like whenever someone made a deal or like had a really great meeting, like you always shook hands at the end or, you know, hugged acquaintances or people, um, you know, after you catch up with someone for lunch. And of course, like I said, kissing after a first date, like all of these things that just kind of went without saying and we're just a cultural thing that in the U.S. at least like I know other places too but definitely in the U.S. where I have experienced living that's what you do and I mean more so in other cultures when you you know kiss on both cheeks or hug like strangers you know like it's it's a cultural thing it's a human evolutionary thing as Keltner says and I just wonder what's going to happen like will we shake hands after a deal will we hug our friends when we meet up? Will we kiss after a first date? And someone that the author of the article, the Times article, actually interviewed said, we are a touching animal. If this carries on, I think we're going to see speakeasies emerge where people meet in secret and hug or even have sex. Like, isn't that crazy to think about? Like, speakeasy, like we're literally regressing or going back in time to the roaring 20s when people were, you know, prohibition, people were drinking and secret and you know all these things doing crazy you know stuff drugs sex words all these things and it's crazy to think that we could be going to a time where there's speakeasies for just hugging because it's so taboo and if someone sees like I was even thinking like you know if I I've like literally kissed a guy in the middle of the street before in New York City like not in the pouring rain or anything that symbolic but like I have like either hugged my like I've literally hugged my friends like or just done all these different like touching things in broad daylight in public and it hasn't been strange or weird because like I said New York you can do literally anything in New York no one would look at you sideways at all or you know you could like literally walk out in a very offensive outfit offensive meaning like your pajamas or like with your you know dress from last night no one cares no one looks at you differently but now it's like if I like kiss a guy on the street or like you know hug someone it, people are gonna be like hmm okay like right now like that's very risky like I was in New York what like two weeks ago now and you know just when I visited really quickly to get my stuff and people were wearing masks like just everywhere and like this is New York I mean of course we have a high a high number of cases and we are like the epicenter but like this is New York I just keep saying that because like the New York I know you know people are just like all on each other like there's no such thing as personal space and so it's just so crazy how things have changed and I wonder if these like kind of creepy speakeasies are going to exist like there are speakeasies in New York still I wonder if they're going to turn into secret hugging clubs but yeah just to kind of sum this up I mean like I said I answered a couple questions but honestly everything I was saying today kind of just in one fell swoop answered like probably about 20 different questions you guys had um, about dating and socializing post-COVID. I think just kind of in a nutshell and for the sake of my virtual diary or spoken diary, which is this podcast, that's what I do here, I just want to kind of give my you know, final thoughts on what I think this is going to look like with dating and socializing post-COVID. I think we're going to be fearful at first, a lot of us, some people more fearful than others, and eventually we're just going to 
it's going to be normal again or it's going to be to a point where we will feel some semblance of normalcy again there's still going to be some kind of nervousness behind everything we do that is having to do with touch or until there's a vaccine until there are more answers and I don't think that we should kind of be hurtful to ourselves over this don't be mad at yourself if your first social interaction isn't successful if you meet up with the person that you've been talking to for so long and it doesn't end up how you were expecting it I think this is kind of just the moral of the story for all of quarantine and all the emotions you feel even not in the social realm and anything that I've described over the past few months I've just continuously been saying you just got to be easy on yourself you've got to be gentle with yourself because we are living through a global crisis the word crisis itself like that is there's nothing normal about this so we gotta stop treating ourselves like we did before because we're different now and whether we like it or not this is going to impact us forever and even if we will eventually go back to kind of our normal ways of being we're still going to have these you know we're going to be like oh remember the time when we lived through covid and it'll kind of be a triumph you know i think that it's something where you know your parents are always like well back during like this time and like my grandparents are like well during world war ii or you know like you you have you gain the right to be able to say those things when you've been through something like this you know, my parents were talking the other day, we were talking about 9-11 and I was too young to remember 9-11. I was in first grade and my parents were talking about it at length and it was something that, of course, it was a tough time. It was a tough time for all Americans. Um, I know I have some foreign listeners. It was a tough time for a lot of us in the world. Just knowing that this was possible, that humans could do this to other humans was just, it impacted everyone, you know, and it's something where it's, it was horrible, it was horrific, but we still think about it every time we're in the airport, or at least I do, and that's fine. I'm still back to, quote, normal. I mean, of course, I'm not maybe directly impacted by it as a first grader. I don't really remember the emotions that came along with it, but although I do think of it often, and even, you know, people older than me that lived through it and remember where they were when it, when the news broke, you know, we, we still think about it that does not mean it's holding us back or that it's making us any less of a person or any less of, you know, the experience any less than what it would have been before. I think if anything, it makes us stronger and bolder and wiser. And so it's going to be an interesting adjustment but not something that we cannot handle. I don't know. I think I kind of am echoing what other people have said that I've kind of heard speak on this matter just of dating and everything. And I think we're all kind of as like a collective group saying we're going to ease into things and not be so just like rash about it. Who's to say? I I don't know what's going to happen when I'm like in the moment of going out for the first time like what's gonna happen I kind of anticipate a huge hangover to be honest with you because I'm not drinking as many martinis as I usually do in the city and I don't know my tolerance is probably like so not great right now like zero so although there might be a hangover romantically I'm kind of just trying to go slow with things and let myself kind of recover from this before potentially facing another blow of striking out again 
with guys, you know, and it's just not worth it because I'm still kind of working on myself and getting myself back to a place where I'm confident. Again, living in New York City, which I don't know, it's going to take a long time for me to feel confident there again because it, it's it been hit so hard and it's at the epicenter of cases in the United States right now. Like it's it's really taking a toll on me. I, I kind of been mourning the New York that I knew and I know we'll bounce back. But I think that's kind of at the forefront of my mind right now, not dating. Although it does creep up there sometimes. And that's why I made this whole episode about it. But yeah, that's just kind of my mindset. That's how I'm feeling. Um, I hope this was a good episode for you guys. And maybe parts of it really resonated with you. And maybe made you feel a bit better about how you're feeling. And that's the goal, as always. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Thick and Thin. Stay tuned until next week for another episode. I actually ran out of time. I was going to talk about the concept of email anxiety in this episode. But it looks like you're going to have to wait until next episode to hear my thoughts on email anxiety and why we get so anxious about replying to things right away, etc. I'm going to do a lot, actually more research now that I have some time, into the psychology behind that. So stay tuned for that full episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this one and are staying safe and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. (laughs) 